another episode of A Woman's Worth with Rashanda. A woman's worth is being informed. A woman's worth is being educated. A woman's worth is being aware. A woman's worth is knowing how to prevent disease and have optimal health. Welcome back, women of worth. Today on the show, we have Ms. Teresa Ziegler back with us. October is National Domestic Violence Month. Teresa is here to talk to us about a subject related to domestic violence, and the subject is HIV and intimate partner violence. Welcome to the show, Teresa. Hey, Welcome back. <laughs> hey, everyone. I'm glad to be back to the show. Um, most of you who don't know me, I was a therapist working um, at Montgomery Advocacy Outreach. Um, were you going to say something else, Sean? No, you can. Okay. Go ahead. Okay, and um, I work with women uh, and children there, advocating for them, um, their needs of, you know, whatever things that they needed. Um, Domestic violence is a real serious um, subject among women and men now, too, especially same sex. Um, When we say domestic violence, you know, we used to think about domestic violence as um, husband you know, beating the wife, you know, not all the signs now because they have different, you know, different signs that describe domestic violence as far as um, the controlling part of it. Sometimes no, it could be the, the not, not just the physical part, it can be emotional, um, manipulating, all of that. But mm-hmm. the real problem is now is intimate partner violence. And it's happening a lot in heterosexual relationships. It's happening a lot in same-sex relationships. And it's happening most often with women that has been diagnosed with HIV. Okay, okay. And I'm glad you you ended right there when you said, because our show is is to educate about HIV as it relates to women, particularly African-American women. And um, for our listeners that, are new to the show or did not hear your episode, her previous episode with us, talk to the women about your um, your background and the work that you, you, you've done in HIV. Um, I worked at, um, as I said, I was an advocate for women who were positive um, HIV AIDS. Um, working with those women really gave me a hands-on feel to see because I did a support group and they would come there for support. Um, The most things, like I said, they were worried about was being, you know, being um, stigmatized, what I call it. But somebody knowing their status, um, that was the the main thing. They want to get help, but then they're scared instead of people supporting them they would actually be talked about or ridiculed. So that keeps a lot of people from getting help. But the women that I did help, you know, it was different situations. It was as far as skills. They were lacking skills, Mm -hmm. um, self-esteem for different reasons. Some had drug use and, um, you know, we're trying to come back from that. Had a lot of different um, issues, emotional Issues, just a lot. It was from a wide variety of places. Okay. That okay. They Thank, you. From. Thank you so much for sharing that. So our listeners know that 
who probably didn't hear your your show the previous week, so they would know a little about how that you're qualified, you know, how you come qualified to talk about this topic. And so um, tell the listeners, Teresa, tell listeners what is intimate partner violence? Well, intimate partner violence is violence that is between you and a partner. Now, it doesn't necessarily have to be sexual. It could be you're having an intimate relationship with that with that person, um, former partner. It could be a current partner. Um, physical violence, sexual violence, stalking, or physical harm, all that comes under the umbrella of um, intimate partner violence. Mm-hmm. And I even looked as far as, um, and I know a lot of, People won't agree with me on this, but they were saying as far as when you're married in consensual sex, mm-hmm. um, that's still a type of violence. If, if the if they haven't consented for the sex, then that's still like a rape, like a type of violence. So mm-hmm. all that falls under that category. Okay. Okay. And um, you know, as you were speaking, it, it took I began to um think back on some of the research that I did with teen girls um, over five years ago. And it I remember we were we was doing research around HIV prevention and decision making. Mm-hmm. And um want to know what makes a why do a person make a decision or particularly young girls make a decision to participate in unhealthy behaviors. And they may know it, but they still participate in it. And one of the one of the research questions we asked, and then the young girl said, if he don't hit on me, he doesn't love me. And you know, the thinking toward her thinking toward that. And so that is something that we would say she's she could possibly put herself in a domestic violence situation because of her. She's thinking that if he doesn't hit her, if he don't mistreat her, then he doesn't love her. And so you want to speak to that? Yeah, because it comes from backgrounds, comfortable okay. situations. Um, because that that is a normal situation for her. She's mm-hmm. her background probably involves some type of, you know, physical harm or maybe, you know, she's seen because most of the time abusers have seen it. It, it. It's not born, it's learned. Right. So it's learned behavior. So that that's what she's seen and that's what somebody showed her love and that's what she pictured that love is. So if she don't feel the physical as far as the hidden and the aggressiveness, then, you know, she won't feel like she's loved. Wow. Interesting. 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 Have you ever heard somebody say, she provoking me. She provoking me because she mm-hmm. know that, that that's that's because I need him to show me that type of love, you know. Mm-hmm. Because it ain't it's not really the love. I'm sorry to say it ain't. it's not really the love. It's the afterwards because you know once he hits you or or she hits you or whatever happens, then afterwards then they make up. You see, so it's right. all, mm-hmm, all of that. It's a cycle. Yeah, because I'm thinking if she got into a relationship with a guy that was treating her nice, you know, being respectful, being kind, um, you know, treating her, um, you know, kind and loving and, you know, as a woman should be treated, she probably would not stay with him. 
because she's going to think that he ain't hit me. So I got to go with somebody who's going to do that. And so that was very, um, at the time, I really like, oh, wow, that's very interesting for this, you know, a younger girl at that time, a teenager. And that's like five years ago. So she's in her early 20s now to have that thinking, in, you know, in, in, um, in, in this generation, in this time period. So she could create a situation where the relationship she gets in is going to be unhealthy based on her thinking. Mm-hmm. And um, how, particularly in those situations, particularly like you said, that was something that she probably that was something she watched and witnessed and learned and think that thought that that or I think it was that was the way how a relationship should be. But unless she becomes aware or educated to understand, that's not how it should be. That's that's unhealthy. That's not healthy. And so when we talk about intimate partner violence and I know you talked about um how it affects HIV positive women how does that play a role intimate partner violence oh in a big role HIV in HIV infection for women um because some women and you know like I said when I was doing support group some women were using their body to get them you know using their body to get money for drugs um, their partner was forcing them to have sex, you know, and they would keep the money only issuing them, controlling, you know, controlling the means on how they eat or how they get drugs, different stuff. And then some cases I've heard was that when the woman finds out, you know, nine times out of 10, the man gave it to her, she stayed in a relationship and she's there physically, but mentally not really there. Mm-hmm. Being forced to have sex when she don't really because she don't really want to be there, but she thinks there's no way out because mm-hmm. she's positive. Mm-hmm. And then it's it's so sad when you see the younger, the younger, which they have so you know so much more to offer, so much you know so so many different things, but they take the HIV diagnosis and think, okay, it's the end of my life. I'm just gonna settle for whatever. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So that's. A- biggest problem of it, the risk factors are the, the low self-esteem, okay. the, the drug and alcohol use, depression, all of that. I've, you know, I've talked and, and seen the women to kind of help them through. Some, you know, they made it through. Some just reverted back to old behaviors because, like I say, it was safe. It was safe. Okay. The relationship was safe. And you said, so if a woman has low self-esteem, I know we could talk about, that's one particular subject I definitely want to want you to come back again this month because you said that's a risk factor. And I know there's a lot of the a lot right now in media about selfish women and self-esteem and what really is that, what it looks like, what it does not look like. And um, when a woman is faced with certain situations or unhealthy situations, how the self-esteem plays a role if her self-esteem is high or high enough, how she could get out of that. And then I do know when you talk about relationships, unhealthy relationships where people are being abused, um, when sometimes financial matters, mm-hmm. financial plays a part in it too. So, and I, and, uh, and I know you said self-esteem is a risk factor. For standing alcohol use, and you said one more, right? Yeah. Um, 
I said being young. And I also think a type D personality, because that's the one with all those type D personality has all those characteristics of, you know, kind of loneliness. They're more pessimistic, kind of passive. And, you know, that's the type that, you know, I'm not looking for a type. If a type looks for me, then I'm okay with it. Okay. That's something because you said, because, you know, some of us as women in particular, as we begin more aware of this subject, um, what kind of personality are you looking for? That's something to think about, particularly as we talk about, especially our younger generations, um, Gen Zers and millennials. Ask the question, what kind of personality type are you looking for? Some of them didn't even ask, even know to even think about to think of that. So that's that's very interesting that you brought that up. Um, what type of personality? And yeah. also, I want to add, add when you were saying unhealthy relationship, that mm-hmm. should really be number one because when you say unhealthy, you mean no boundaries. You just okay. let everything go. You know, okay. you already don't know what love is. You don't know how you need to be treated. So you just in the relationship. Okay. So I don't know. So, so when you say unhealthy, I'm glad you could our listeners get you informing them and raising their awareness and educating about that. Mm-hmm. When you're in an unhealthy relationship, what does that mean? You had to define that. No boundaries. You just don't. You just let whatever happens happens. Mm-hmm. And you don't speak up. Don't speak up. Don't don't have anything. You know that I was making excuses. Well, at least he do this. He do that. You know, but mm-hmm. you gotta have boundaries, and you gotta know what you like because right. you're subject to take any kind of treatment. You gotta absolutely. You know, you know, I deserve to be treated a certain way. That's right. That's right. That's right. And what that's what this. And again, it goes back to the title of our show: <laughs> a woman's worth. You're worth. We are worth being treated um, queen level, you know, and knowing what that looks like, you know, like you said, the boundaries, knowing how to set them and stick to them and being that having that, you know, that strength to do that and being able to self advocate for yourself and take care of yourself. And that's another as if you come when you come back to talk about self-esteem, self-care, self um respect, you know, things about ourselves. So that show will be focused on that. Go ahead, Teresa. Oh, I was just saying, I was adding self-worth in there because yeah, we're yeah. what we're worthy of. When right. we understand the value, then we won't get in these unhealthy relationships. Um, you know, things happen to you at some point in life, but then at some point you have to realize that you're here for a purpose. And whether it's HIV, um, whatever it is, you know, you do have to thank God for being here, thank him for playing and, and deal with the hurt. I know it's easier said than done, but I mean, it's support that'll help you, especially with women with HIV. You know, my heart draws near to them because I've heard, I mean, just this past week, I've heard somebody say, um, and he was an insurance guy, and he said, uh, did you know how many people have HIV? And I just looked at him. Mm-hmm. And I asked him, I was like, what does that mean? Mm-hmm. So I laughed and I said, nothing is funny about that. I said, because HIV is on the new come up. I was like, you're, you're talking about, because we was talking about a drugstore. And he was saying about his friend was a drug rep. And I was telling him all the different um, 
cure, you know, medicines that they're coming up with, one that they're, you know, for, I think it's like 30 days or something, they working on that. You know, mm-hmm. I didn't see anything funny about it. So, yeah, you know, and I was telling them, I was like, that's you, you're part of the stigma. Mm-hmm, absolutely. You're adding stigma to it, and that's not right. Mm hmm. Mm-hmm. That's true. That's true. And 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 as and as as we work in HIV, we know just how dangerous stigma could be to a person's well-being and how it threatens um, their health. Because if they're HIV positive and their that stigma is you know driving them, they won't seek care. They won't stay in care. So they won't even go to the med doctor to the drugstore and pick up the medicines. So we uh, we know that. And so the work that we do in HIV, we understand how important it is to definitely not work to continue to increase the stigma. We want to decrease it. I want to educate them and let them know. Right. You know, because I could, you know, been the person be like, well, yeah, ho, I had to stop him and let him know the different mm-hmm. research that's being in place. And while we're talking about that, the worst case of... Um, um, intimate partner violence that I've seen. That's what I did want to say, but I'm sorry for getting off subject. That's okay. It's all relevant. I remember working at a place. I just won't, you know, say, I don't want to say specific, but I remember working and the person came in, the guy came in to be tested. He was with the girl and she knew she had it. And I guess the conversation must not have had, you know, they maybe didn't have a conversation. And, you know, he didn't know where he was or anything, girl. So came in and it was like, you know, you know, I'm thinking like, hey, he knows. Let's do an intake. And he looking like an intake, you know, he looking at her. And then all of a sudden she got sick and he asked what the place was. And I had to tell him because, you know, we got to do an intake form. And he just said, like, I'm going to kill you. If I got this, I'm going to kill you. I was like, wait a minute. You know, mm-hmm. let's stop and, and, and take a breather. I said, because first you haven't taken a test. Right. You all haven't had a conversation about it. Mm-hmm. So let's let's stop because we're getting emotions involved, which you know, you don't even you don't even have a diagnosis yet. Right. You know, and that really scared me to death because he told her point blank while all of us were standing now. He said that I'm gonna kill you. Oh my goodness, threatening right in front of you guys. Right in front of everybody. So, and since you talked about this goes, this this is a great lead into my next question for you. As you talk about, because that was some a form of um of, of a um abuse. So tell us, tell our listeners what are the most common types of intimate partner violence? Oh goodness. <clears throat> is the 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 um stalking, the physical aggression, um psychological. And the emotional and mental. And people, the physical is really bad, but when you beat somebody up emotionally and mentally, you might as well put your hands on them. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Beat down so bad, and it takes so much to bring them back up because all of that beating, that, that thinking, is just like they were trying. They're going right back to what that person was saying to them. Could you provide an example of what that looks, what it, what that may sound like? Somebody beating them down emotionally. You know, ne- nobody's gonna never want you. I'm the only person gonna want you. You know, I do this for you. Nobody ain't gonna do this for you. You know, just, just to the point where they're so controlling or have to like 
my I call micromanage places where you're going. Um, stalking where where you go, what time you gonna be here? You know, call back if they're not there. That's a that's a form of stalking. Okay. And if I'm invited. If I didn't tell you to come to my house and we, we don't live together, you shouldn't be at my house sitting up waiting until I get there. It's not funny, but it's how you deliver. Like you should be at my house waiting on me if I'm not there yet. Yeah. Yeah. I've had people, you know, they take them to the doctor's office and because they're probably the root cause of it, they sitting out there in the car wondering what they're saying to me, you know. So I get, you know, the phone call, you know, he out there, I gotta go. I was like, are you safe? That's my question to ask. Mm-hmm. Are you safe? Because I need to know that because mm-hmm. I'm a mandated reporter. And I always tell people, you know, when I talk, hey, I'm a mandated reporter. If you're going to be, if, if you know, if, if you're going to do harm or somebody's going to do harm, I'm, I'm mandated to call 911. Mm-hmm. 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 Exactly. Exactly. So that could be um, stalking the... Um, <clears throat> the most common types of intimate partner violence, stalking, you said physical violence, violence, psychological um, aggression, psychological, emotional, mm-hmm. and, and, verbal. Mm-hmm. and verbal, so and sexual too. Sexual. sexual. Okay, okay, okay. So, so I hope, yeah, I'm sure our listeners got that and to understand what is, and you gave an example what it what it, what it sounds like. And uh, and sometimes, you know, even like you said, even as women, women can, you know, do it to men. Yeah. As and women. men can do it to women. Yeah. But mm-hmm. looking at research is always involving a man. You know, I was just looking at some research and it was it's just always involving a man. Um, mm-hmm. And it's man on man, you know, the same sex or heterosexual. The mm-hmm. man. It's mostly the most violent. Now, some women do do it, but the highest percentages is me. Okay, okay, okay. The highest percentage men is more than like more likely to abuse women than women are to abuse men. So, um, Miss Ziegler, how can as as women, and uh, particularly, I want to talk to our younger women. Um, how can we prevent, and for those and for women that are getting into new relationships as well, how can we prevent, well, let me go to this question. What are some ways that you could like identify some, some of their behaviors to say, okay, he may be, I know you said about being at the house waiting on you. So that could be, that could be a, a red flag, correct? Yeah. So if you and calling you all the time to want to know your every move. Those could be something, a red flag for women to look at in the, is if the man is behaving like that. Controlling money. Um, you know, mentally always telling you, you know, putting you down, humiliating you, you know, trying to make you feel bad, making him feel like he, you know, making you feel like you're the lesser. And that's mm-hmm. physical aggression towards you, pulling or pushing or, you know, always, um, you know, with your hands, using your hands or in any type. I mean, anything. If, if you're pushing or shoving or anything like that. Okay. Okay. All right. So those are great examples, um, listeners. So in, in particular for our younger females, and, and if we have, you know, mothers listening, grandmas listening, aunts listening, women of church group that, you know, have youth groups 
please, you know, share this information with your with your teens or your um, young women, um, and um, just talk to them about it. And you know, as far as how they should be treated, and they, you know, what are the boundaries, how they should um, be talked to, and what are the warning signs. So, Teresa, tell our listeners how could women prevent intimate partner violence or stop it before it starts? Um, just knowing the signs. Um, okay. like I talked about knowing the different signs. And number one, talking about it. Because sometimes we don't understand what we're getting into because we're so used to being treated like that. You know, we listen, we, oh, I thought that was normal. No, you're in an intimate um, partner violence relationship. That falls under mm-hmm. domestic violence. So with him controlling money and thing, like I say, domestic violence looks so different because intimate partner violence falls up under that. But what we're used to seeing in domestic violence is just the physical. It's all mm-hmm. different types now. So just knowing the signs, if, if the the micromanaging, the insults, the aggression the mental, the emotional abuse, know it. You know, if you didn't know it, we're explaining it to you now so you can have a a feel for what it is. Um, I just want to tell other women, you know, um, to speak out. Speak out and and talk against abuse. And if you know somebody's in a relationship, don't pick up the phone and call the girlfriend to gossip about it. Go help her. Let her know it's all right for her to come talk to you. Make it a safe environment. Absolutely. And, and that's another thing, creating a safe environment for someone to come talk about it and they feel safe and know they could be vulnerable in that situation. And um, as a therapist um, and, you know, a person that's, you know, does this type of work, do you, would you recommend women coming to seek that, going to talk to a therapist uh, and, uh if they are experiencing these, you know, yes, experiencing um, domestic violence, or they see some of the signs in a relationship, and their relationships, you know, in, based on what we're talking about. Yes, because now it's everywhere. When I go to the doctor, even when I go to the doctor, the first thing my doctor asks me, are you safe? Are you in a, it's posted everywhere. So mm-hmm. they're trying to make it a conversation piece. So when you go in there and see it, you know, if you're not sure, ask your doctor some questions. He can point you to some shelters or some people or, like I say, um, we we as a Black culture have been taught that what stays in the household stays in the household. We're not supposed to go out and tell. But this is a different generation. It's time to break mm-hmm. them curses and it's time to go tell some stuff. Yeah, because since you talked about that, because as as African-American people, you know, from the historical um, conditions that we've suffered, you know, as it relates to slavery and and Jim Crow and um, segregation, where we were, you know, abused Mm -hmm. uh, a lot by, you know, people in the system. And some of that, like you said, some of that could have been learned. Mm -hmm. And uh, we learned to do that to one another. And like you said, it's time to stop that. Um, you know, some of those learned behaviors. Um, because we were mistreated, you know, by people. And sometimes, you know, we pretty much could have internalized that. Yeah. 
and do it to one another. So um, to your point, yeah, and it's time for us to become more aware and uh, get out of that, you know, get away from that, move away from that. And uh, because tradition, we are loving people. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, and knowing again how you should be treated and how you expect to be treated and, you know, not being treated poorly, but being treated better regardless, you know, no, no matter who it is. So, and um, so, and I'm glad you went to that point and um, about that because this show is about African-American women and um, how, you know, we should be treated and be, by being domestic violence month and we're focused on HIV and intimate partner violence and the goal is to stop it, to reduce it and decrease it and ways to do that, like you said, educate yourself and become more aware and then if it's happening, you know, get speak out, yeah. get some help. Make a plan. Make a plan. Right. You, know, you know, nothing happens overnight. Make you a plan. You know, when you feel like it's safe, if you got to leave, you know, when, when you go to work or, or, or if you need to, um, you know, get to save money, you know, need money to leave, you know, right. I would cut out one expense to do another and I would make me a plan. Right. Because it's some support groups. It's different people that will support you. But have a plan because it's a way to get out. Right. And I know in Montgomery, you know, for women that are HIV positive, you have MAO, which they have a behavior health um, their department there. And you can reach out to them and they can get you some help and um, and ways to, you know, create a healthy relationship for yourself or a healthier situation for yourself. And also, I know there are other organizations in Montgomery. I know that you talked about the Family Sunshine, Family Sunshine Center. Yeah, Family Sunshine Center. And it's hotlines. Um there's different hotlines that um, we can, I can post some on the website, but it's help everywhere. They have support groups. It's churches that you can go to that'll help you, especially one downtown, First Baptist Church. Mm-hmm. It's a lot of different places. If you want to get out, you have to make the decision because change goes in five cycles. Um, you have to make the decision to want to do it and implement it. Once you implement it, then you're on the right track. Okay. Want to do it and then to implement it. Okay. All right. And I'm glad you talked about the churches. So, you know, there's always the pastor there um, to talk to the pastor. Um, and I know um, and um, and he could most times churches have resources as well. Yeah. To um, to help women in these situations. So as we conclude to, um, for the show, Miss um, Ziegler, anything else you'd like to share with our listeners about this topic? Um, intimate partner violence and HIV? No, just just recognize the signs, be safe, and seek help. Okay, okay. All right, so listeners, um, this has been a great topic, very informational, and very, um, it's a very serious topic. And I know um, Teresa's going to come back to talk to us about some other things, risk factors, which definitely I wanted to, we're going to focus on self-esteem, self-worth, self-respect, and what, you know, unhealthy relationship, you know, what is that? No boundaries and how to create a healthy relationships, a healthy relationship. Because, you know, I've seen where some relationships, the the person was being, um, the male was participating in physical aggression. 
So they split up. And when they got back, he didn't do it anymore. So it can change. I saw mm-hmm. they can change. And so we want, you know, he they, that that was able to stop. They stopped that. And then when they got back together, he didn't do it anymore. And so we do see that that can't happen. Mm-hmm. And so, and that means that relationship got healthier. So when you come back, we can talk about those things and because it's serious and we all want to grow and move forward. Like you said, some of the things could be learned behaviors and we want to change that into a more healthier and, you know, and everybody gets better. Everybody grow, everybody, you know, move forward and they change and we create a more healthier society for ourselves. So, so, um, Miss, um, Teresa Ziggler, thanks again for joining us and talking about this important topic and very serious topic. Yes, ma'am. And uh, we welcome, look forward to you coming back and talking about those some of those risk factors. Okay, okay. And, I'll be glad to come back. Yes, and until Miss Ziggler comes back, women of work, remember, a woman's work is being informed. A woman's work is being educated. A woman's work is being aware. A woman's work is knowing how to prevent disease and have optimal health. Thank you and see you next time.